You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. Okay, that was a whole bunch of dead air. Um, Emmett, uh, if you would please uh, let me know that there's dead air. I've been talking for a couple of minutes now. Are you there? Oh, I was. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, I I guess you couldn't have heard me or something or wasn't hearing me. I dedicated what? the program already. Uh, I couldn't I... hear you, I guess. You couldn't hear me, so... I couldn't hear you because you're muted and I was muted, so I was listening. I wasn't muted. I double checked on the studio and on my phone. How come I can just barely hear you now? I don't know. Hi. Okay, whatever. Anyway, uh, today's the eighth day of September 2021. I've been gone for over a week. Uh, from the program, we went to North Carolina for a funeral of our, my father-in-law got in a head-on accident with a log truck and uh, was killed on impact. So we went to, to do that, to the funeral, and um, I've just been trying to recover from from, from uh, everything. So 
Anyway, um, if Emmett did dedicate the program, I guess he can start in on the reading. We're on uh, Chapter 3 of United Order, Enoch and His City. And uh, I posted the text to this program at um, facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. Um, I'm probably going to stop posting in all the groups. I've got a ton of groups. And it just takes forever to, like, go through them all and to manage them all. So I'm probably going to be shutting off every group except for LDS Gospel Mystery and LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussion. Um, I'll still have some of my groups, but I'm going to probably retire those as well. Um, I'll put something on there so that people can know, you know, if you want to continue on with this dialogue, go to those groups that, uh, I'll be keeping open because all in all, I probably, between all the groups that I admin, I've the largest one is 4,000-something, and then there's another one that's got 2,000. Anyway, uh, so I'll keep the two largest groups and get rid of the rest. Anyway, um, I guess if Emmett wants to start reading, if he's dedicated the program, then I will uh, I'll let him read. So we're on pages 16 to 34 of United Order, Enoch and His City, Chapter 3. All right, go ahead, take it away, Emma. <laughs> um, so Mom just got home, and she said she wanted to read, so I just had the book brought to her. Um, so she's going to be reading. <laughs> but she's not called in, even though she's here, which is kind of weird. Mom! What? Yeah, she's here. She's trying to call in right now. Uh, so okay. that's what she wants to read. How about she's you just that. read the so first chapter, and then she can read, no, the first page, and then she can read when she's ready, so we don't have to wait. I don't have the book. She does. And she's in another room. Emmett, uh, just mom start reading on. the first page, and she can read when she gets ready. This is dead air, and I don't like it. Hello? Okay. Let me open it up Thank on you. the Facebook, because Mom has the book. Fine, whatever. All right. And Enoch and all his people walked with God, and he dwelt in the midst of Zion. And it came to pass that Zion was not, for God received it up unto his own bosom. And from them went forth the saying, Zion is fled. Moses 7, uh, 69. While Adam was still alive on the earth, the greatest financial success story took place. From that time to the present, there has never been a society to equal it. As the people were so righteous, they were translated. At this early date, God provided that crowning attainment for an example that others could follow. And the man who made and the man who made it all possible was enough. Oh, there's a period there and there shouldn't be. It is only through the Mormon scriptures that we know the principles that made Enoch so great in the sight of God. Thus, Mormons should have a particular interest in the accomplishments of Enoch. Enoch was born when Adam was 622 years old. In his youth, he said, My father taught me in all the ways of God in spite of Enoch's speech impediment handicap. Uh, God called him to preach repentance to a wayward generation. To this call, Enoch replied, Why is it that I have found favor in thy sight and am but a lad, and all the people hate me, for I am slow of speech? Wherefore am I thy servant? Moses Chapter 6, verse 31. And we are on page 17, and Mom is called in now. Hi, Mom. Hello. Perfect. I can hear you just fine. Okay, awesome. Um, so are you in Chapter 3, Enoch and his city? Yeah, I had it bookmarked in there. Okay. And we're on page 17. Seventeen. Yep. 
okay, my headset is not connecting, so I'm trying to figure that out. Well, that's just great. <laughs> uh, do you want me to continue reading? Why is it that I have my sight and am There we go. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, okay. That's much better. Okay. Are you where we're at? I am. Okay. Page 19? 17. Oh, <laughs> that was too far. Okay. Um, you in the quote where Moses 631? No, I finished that quote. I was just rereading it just so you could find where it was. Okay. I'll read right after there. Okay? Yes. Hold yes. on. Perfect. Okay. Oh. Uh, okay, yeah, 631, but we're on page 17, so, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep, we're on Moses 631, where it says, Why is it that I have found favor in thy sight, am but a lad, and all the people hate me, for I am slow of speech? Wherefore, am I thy servant? The Lord assured him that he would have utterance and also power, even to change rivers out of their course and to move mountains. He was told to anoint his eyes with clay and wash them, and was amazed to discover that he could see the spirit world and those things which are not visible to the natural eye. Thus, Enoch became a seer for the Lord. When Enoch was rebuking the people for their sins, they said, A wild man has come among us, and all men were offended because of him. Yet, as he spoke, the people could not refute him, nor dared they. He told them that they had become carnal, sensual, and devilish, and are shut out from the presence of God. That's Moses, chapter 6, verse 49. His warning should have been enough to make the people fear God because Enoch had spoken face-to-face with God and understood him, and he knew that what he wanted from his children, yet the people would not accept his testimony. He then prophesied of a battle between the Canaanites and the Shemites, or Shemites in which the people of Shem would be utterly destroyed. He saw blackness come upon the people of, come upon the people of Canaan, and they were identified as the seed of Cain and were despised among all people. When Enoch was 65 years old, he began to build his city of Zion. At that same time, his son, Mrs. Wa, was born, who would be an heir to the priesthood. Also, it was at this time that the great patriarchal head of the human race, Adam, put his hands upon Enoch's head and gave him another special blessing. He was only 25 years old when the first ordained when first ordained under the hand of Adam. See D&C, chapter 107, verse 48. Enoch's ministry took him into the lands of Sharon, Enoch, Omner, Henai, Shem, Hanar, Hananiah, in fact, to all the people. Say it were the people of Canaan. Moses, chapter 7, verse 12. Enoch drew the issues to a head. He caused a clear separation between the people. Either they gathered with him or they opposed him. Those who opposed him were so angered that they wanted to destroy him. Those who followed Enoch were peaceful, God-loving and obedient in keeping the commandments. However, now they were faced with war by rebellious, by the rebellious. Uh, the first 2,000 years, Cleon Skousen, page 165, says, quote, Mighty armies of conquest were marching upon them. Enoch had realized that his campaign for reformation had been a cause of offense to the proud and wicked multitudes who had assembled to hear him. But just how deeply they were offended now became apparent. For the first time in recorded annals of, that's what it says, annals or annals, that's fun, of their enemies. Annals. Annals. Yeah. A-N-N-A-L-S, annals. Yeah, that's annals. Okay, good. Because I don't know what that is. Of sacred history, the people of God were subjected to direct attack by their enemies. Being a peace-loving people, they were probably caught completely unawares. That's end quote from the first 2,000 years, Cleon Skousen, page 165. But Enoch didn't bother to make weapons of war, nor did he study any manual on military tactics. He simply called upon God to fight his battles for him. 
<clears throat> this next quote comes from Moses chapter 7, verse 13, quote, And so great was the faith of Enoch that he led the people of God and their enemies, came to battle against them, and he spake the word of the Lord, and the earth trembled, and the mountains fled, even according to his command. And the rivers of water were turned out of their course, and the roar of the lions was heard out of the wilderness, and all nations feared greatly, so powerful was the word of Enoch. And so great was the power of the language which God had given him. End quote. Moses chapter 7, verse 13. The enemies who were, who were spared from destruction then began to fight among themselves, and from that time forth there were wars and bloodshed among them. But peace was enjoyed by the people of Enoch, and for over three centuries they were left alone, and the fear of the Lord was upon all nations. So great was the glory of the Lord which was upon his people. End quote. From Moses chapter 7, verse 17. Enoch established a spiritual work that was not to be for or forgotten, but he also established a temporal work that was never to be duplicated. His city would live as a family, all laboring for each other, no rich and no poor, all for the space of over 360 years. The city of Enoch prospered, and the Lord blessed the land, and they were blessed upon the mountains and upon the high places, and did flourish. That's Moses 7:17. This people lived so close to the laws of the commandments of God that the Lord came and dwelt with his people, and they dwelt in the righteous in righteousness. Moses chapter 7, verse 16. And now we're on page 20. If you have anything to add. Um, Enoch no, also walked other with... Than, okay. you got to give me time to unmute. I was anyway, trying to. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, so, yeah, Enoch had the fullness of the priesthood. It was given to him by the Father. Also... They spoke the uh, Adamic language, and there's power in the Adamic language, um, and I'm pretty sure that God gave him keywords to use to help him with all of that, but um, I don't know. I just, it's, it's interesting. Um, I'll just mute myself. Okay. Moving on. Enoch also walked with God, and he saw the abode of God in heaven and said, in Moses chapter 7, verse 4, And I saw the Lord, and he stood before my face, and he talked with me, even as a man talketh one with another, face to face. And he said unto me, Look, and I will show unto thee the world for the space of many generations. End quote. From Moses chapter 7, verse 4. He also saw the destiny of his people, Zion, and their heavenly abode. His people were a mixture of all the seed of Adam, save it was the seed of Cain. For the seed of Cain were black and had not place, had not place among them. That's Moses chapter 7, verse 22. He saw the destructions that would soon come upon the earth through the flood. Then he saw the coming of the Son of Man to the earth and his atonement to save mankind. He was also promised that the remnant of his, his meaning Noah's seed, should always be found among all nations, while the earth should stand. That's Moses chapter 7, verse 52. Enoch taught and prepared the people extensively before they were ready for translation. Young said in Journal of Discourse, volume 3, page 320, quote, Enoch had a talk with and teach people during a period of 360 years before he could get them, per- to them prepared to enter into their rest. And then he obtained power to translate himself and his people with the region they inhabited, their houses, gardens, fields, cattle, and all their possessions. End quote. Again, from Journal Discourse, Volume 3, page 320. And now we're on page 21. So, um, this uh, book, Moses, is actually the inspired translation of Joseph Smith. Um, it's not part of the book of Abraham. And I know there's a lot of controversy about the book of Abraham, but um, the in 1961, I think it was, they found, par, uh, they found fragments of the scroll that Joseph had. And uh, if you put them all together, it equals about three feet, but they're fragments. Um, in the Times and Seasons, they talked about the different scrolls, and when they were laid out end-to-end, I think they were over 185 feet long. 
so when people are like, oh, they found the Book of Abraham, and it's not what it claims to be, um, I have to say, that's you know, you're full of crap, for one, because uh, you have fragments that equal about three feet. You don't have the rest of it, 182 feet or whatever it was. You don't have any of that. Okay. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because people think that this is part of the fragment scrolls, and it's not. This is the inspired translation of the Bible by Joseph Smith. Now, um, in the Canaanite thing, uh, that what it talks about there, dark are black Africans. Those are the Canaanites. In Zechariah 14, no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord in the millennium, which means they would have gotten into the house of the Lord before that point. If it's not the Canaanites that are the black Africans, I'd like to to ask you who it is. Anyway, I'm on wash plan. I'm pretty sure I'm breaking up. Can you hear me? No, I can't hear her. Mom, Satan, can you hear me in the other room? I can hear her saying that, but I can't hear her on the. I can hear you though. You sound you sounded fine for this whole time. The radio show. Okay. You are. Sorry. Uh, I was like yelling. Uh, Holy crap! <laughs> I was like telling Emma in the other room. Uh, no, my phone hung up in while you were talking. At first, I was like, "Uh, you're breaking up," and then it hung up on me, and I was like, "Maybe I'm breaking up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm on watch play right now. Basically, all I was saying okay. was um, the inspired translation of the book of Genesis is what we call the book of Moses. And right. when it talks about the Canaanites and that they were black, um, that's because they are black, black Africans. I don't mm-hmm. believe all Africans are Canaanites, but they are all the seed of Cain. And that's, mm-hmm. there's a difference between the two. Um, so in, in Genesis, not the inspired translation, but just regular Genesis, uh, it talks about uh, Japheth, who is the middle son, Shem, who is the oldest son, and Ham. And Ham's son, Canaan, was the one who got cursed and became a servant of servants. That's biblical. Now, the Canaanites, would eventually get into the house of the Lord through deception and whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But in the millennium, it says in Zechariah chapter 14 that those Canaanites would no longer be in the house of the Lord because they never belonged in there to begin with. And that's during the millennium. And that's in the book of the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah chapter 14. And it is the last verse. So um, for all of these liberal-minded people that hate the fact that God curses a race or a group of people, well, that's God's, you know, prerogative that that's what he wants to do, and there's reasons for it. And just because you don't understand the reasons doesn't mean it's not right. It doesn't mean that you're rude to them or anything else, but they do not belong in the house of the Lord, and they do not belong, or they do not, um, they're not worthy because of what they did in the pre-existence to receive priesthood. So, um, yeah, in the millennium it says that they won't even be able to go to the house of the Lord. So I just wanted to throw that out there because it did talk about the Canaanites a little bit. Um, But I do want to ask anybody, if you want to refute that, who are the Canaanites then? Sometimes people need to, sometimes, uh, God, or, you know, like in my world, sometimes people need to be in timeout, and that was God's way of putting them and setting them aside and having them think about their choices and their decisions. Like you're in timeout for a probation. Figure it out. We'll we'll reassess. Well, (laughs) the reason why, so you can be of the seed of Cain and not be cursed all the way to the extent of a Canaanite. Because there are children of Cain. So Ham had four sons. Only one of them was Canaan. Canaan was the only one that got cursed with the, with the darkest and most restrictive of cursings. 
but it's through him that all of the children who deserve that faith, they come to that line because that is what they deserve, because of what they did in the pre-existence. So there's consequences to your actions. Everybody talks about, oh, God is unconditional love. It never says that anywhere in the scriptures. The, the Protestants, they'll tell you unconditional love because they want people to sit in their pews and to pay them offerings and tithing. But it is nowhere in scripture. God, in fact, it even says that God hated Esau and he was of the house of Shem. He hated him. And it says that in the Old and in the New Testament, but he loved Jacob. Oh, I mean, the uh, God's love is all-consuming. I have stood in his presence, and I understand that. But his love is not unconditional. So anyway, if they do well, then that, you know, there's still a consequence to their actions. It's like if my kids, if one of my kids does something really bad, and then they're all loving and everything, they're still going to have a consequence to their actions. I still love them. But anyway, I am at the coal terminal, and I have to uh, mute myself. So go ahead and read the next page. Okay. Enoch and his city became so righteous that they enjoyed nearly every conceivable blessing from God. Then when Enoch was 430 years old, both he and the people in his city were translated. The prophet Joseph Smith explained this doctrine of translation. In Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 170 to 171, quote, Many have supposed that the doctrine of translation was a doctrine whereby men were taken immediately into the presence of God and into an eternal fullness. But this is a mistaken idea. Their place of habitation is that of the terrestrial order and a place prepared for such characters. He held in reserve to be ministering angels unto many planets and who as yet have not entered into so great a fullness as these who are resurrected from the dead. Translation obtains deliverance from the tortures and sufferings of the body, but their existence will prolong as to the labors and toils of the ministry before they can enter into so great a rest and glory. End quote. From Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 170 through 171. Elder Joseph Young, Joseph Young brother of Brigham Young, relates information he heard from the Prophet Joseph regarding the translation of the city of Enoch. In Enoch and his city, Joseph Young, pages 11 and 12, see also LDS reference encyclopedia, Melvin R. Brooks, pages 121, quote, The people in the city and the foundations of the earth on which it stood had partaken of so much of the immortal elements bestowed upon them by God through the teachings of Enoch that became philosophically impossible for them to remain any longer upon the earth. Consequently, Enoch and his people with the city which they occupied and the foundations on which it stood with a large piece of earthly immediate, immediately connect, or I'm sorry, with a large piece of earth immediately connected with the foundations and the city had assumed an aerial position within the limits of our solar system and this in consequence of their faith. Joseph Smith said on another occasion in the hearing of some of the saints still surviving that the city of Enoch would again take its place in the identical spot from which it had been detached, now forming that chasm of the earth filled with water called the Gulf of Mexico, end quote. That comes from Enoch and his city, Joseph Young, pages 11 and 12, See also LDS Reference Encyclopedia, Melvin R. Brooks, page 121. The Last Days by Robert Smith also records an, an occasion where Joseph Smith stated that the city of Enoch had been located where the Gulf of Mexico now exists, in page 215. The same call that was received by Enoch has been given in our own time and for the same reasons. God wants to gather together to select people to prepare them temporarily and spiritually to meet the conditions and tribulations that are about to befall the earth. The Lord gave his directive to the Mormon people when the church was only six months old. Consider how similar to Enoch's revelation was the commandment to this people. In D&C 29, verses 7 through 11, quote, And ye are called to bring to pass the gathering of mine elect. For mine elect hear my voice. And harden not their hearts, wherefore the decree hath gone forth from the Father, 
that they shall be gathered in unto one place upon the face of this land to prepare their hearts and be prepared in all things against the day when tribulation and desolation are sent forth upon the wicked. For the hour is nigh and the day soon at hand when the earth is ripe and all will, all the proud and they that do wickedly shall be as stubble and I will burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that the wickedness shall not be upon the earth. For the hour is nigh and that which was spoken by mine apostles must be fulfilled. For as they spoke, so shall it come to pass. For I will reveal myself from heaven with power and great glory, with all the hosts thereof, and dwell in righteousness with men on earth a thousand years. And the wicked shall not stand. End quote from DNC, chapter 29, verses 7 through 11. Because of these conditions that are upon us, it is necessary to understand the principles and doctrines that brought Enoch and his city into the presence of God. First, we must understand that both temporal and spiritual things were brought into common harmony. This has often been called the Order of Enoch, or United Order, as was so designated by the Lord himself. In DNC 104, page 48, quote, After you are organized, you shall be called the United Order of the Stake of Zion, the city of Shina, Shina, or Kirkland, and your brethren, after they are organized, shall be called the United Order of the City of Zion, end quote, from DNC, chapter 104, verse 48. The Lord gives men their free agency to work out their temporal affairs, but their principal objective should be to establish Zion, or a Zion. Enoch was able to achieve a Zion, and it was acknowledged by the Lord for, we read in Moses chapter 7, verse 18, quote, and the Lord called his people Zion because they were, because A, they were of one heart, B, and one mind, C, and dwelt in righteousness, and D, there was no poor among them. End quote from Moses chapter 7, verse 18. Most of the principles which brought Enoch and his city into such favor with God and to the point of translation were hidden with the past. However, they are now better understood because they were revealed again when the gospel was restored in our dispensation. With W. Cleonskousen gave a clear and brief account of these basic principles of the United Order. In DNC 104, verses 15 through 17, and also 55 through 57, first, that all things in the earth belong to the Creator and that men are only the custodians of these resources and riches which he has placed upon the earth for the welfare of mankind, end quote. And second comes from DNC 104, verse 18, quote, that the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man require that human beings look upon one another as members of the same family, the family of God, and that they are directly responsible for one another's welfare. The third in DNC 42:42, quote, that in this family relationship, every person is expected to do his share. Each shall give what he has, labor, skills, art, management, goods, services, and in return receive what he needs. All have a place in the program except one type of person, the idler. Under the order of Enoch, the managers of the system were forbidden to give the fruits of other labors to any person who could but work, but would not work, if they could but would not work, excuse me, end quote, from DNC 42:42. And the fourth, from Moses chapter 7, verse 18, quote, that the members of the order of Enoch shall take the responsibility of giving education and assistance to those who are looking or lacking in the ability of capacity to provide for themselves. This was not just charity for the poor, but a program to provide the poor with necessities of life and then aid them in becoming self-sustaining members of the order. The ultimate object and one which the people of Enoch attained was to have no poor among them. End quote from Moses chapter 7, verse, 7, verse 18. And the fifth from the church news, 15th of May, 1949, page 23 the 2,000 years, pages 173 through 175, quote, that private property and the dignity of the individual must be preserved. The private property of each member of the order was to be according to his family, according to his circumstances, and his wants and needs, and his needs. That's DNC 51.3. Inasmuch as his wants are just, DNC 82.17, everything he could produce over and above the needs of himself and his family was to be donated to the common treasury of the order uh, for the welfare of others less fortunate. Uh, that's the in C42, verse 33, 34, and 55. Also, chapter 70, verse 7, or, oh, 7 through 10. As for the dignity and independence of the individual, Dr. John A. Woodsell points out that 
in this order, every man must be respected as a free agent. He may enter into the order at his pleasure. Once in the order, he must be allowed to use fully and as he pleases any properties placed in his hands. He may leave the order at his pleasure, end quote. That's Church News, uh, 15 May, the 15th of May, 1949, page 23, the first 2,000 years, pages 173 through 175. The prophet Joseph Smith eagerly sought to establish these principles among the Mormon people, even during the first year of the organization of the church. His vision and hope was that, in teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 202, quote, the Lord was going to make the church of Jesus Christ a kingdom of priests, a holy people, a chosen generation, as an Enoch's day, having all the gifts as illustrated to the church in Paul's epistles and teachings to the churches in his day. That's end quote from teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 202. But these great, the prophet had previously given the people assurance that these great promises could be realized by this people and could bring them into the presence of God. That's uh, from Teachings of Prophet Joseph Smith, page 9. It says, It is the privilege of every elder to speak of the things of God. And could we all come together with one heart and one mind in per- perfect faith, the veil might as well be rent today as next week or any other time. End quote. From Teachings of Prophet Joseph Smith, page 9. Brigham Young was a prophet, seer, and a revelator who understood the past, present, and future. In in an 1872 conference sermon in, on the law of consecration, he described conditions as they existed in the city of Enoch. He began in Journal of Discourse, Volume 15, page 220, quote, Suppose we should examine a city in a stake of Zion conducted after the order, order of Enoch. No person can be exalted in the kingdom of heaven without first submitting himself to the rules, regulations, laws, and ordinances of that kingdom, and being perfectly subject to them in every respect. No person is fit to be a ruler until he can be ruled. No one is fit to be the Lord of all until he has submitted himself to be the servant of all. End quote. That's from Journal of Discourse, Volume 15, page 220. The remainder of his talk in Journal of Discourse, Volume 15, page 220 through 229, deals with a description of this ideal city patterned after Enoch City, summarized in the following categories. Housing. Would we bear... Hold on. I'm getting a really bad echo. Emmett, are you muted? No. Uh, okay, because I, I can hear, like, little things. And then now I'm hearing an echo. So could you mute yourself just so that I don't hear me twice? Yep. Okay. Uh, evidently, Dad didn't hear it twice, or he might have said something before now. Um, would we build our houses all what? Mike? Oh, um, I was just hearing a weird echo, and I thought that somebody else no, was still... I heard that. Emma, you need to mute yourself unless you're speaking. So that's yep. the way it's supposed to be. Anyway, um, what page are we on? Oh, in between all of those quotes and stuff? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There was a bunch of them. 29? 29, I think. Okay. I was just wondering because I've been waiting for you to say what page we're on. And I haven't Sorry, I thought you were going to be out of service for a little bit, and so I just kept reading. Oh, you're fine. Um, I just didn't know where you were at. So I'm out of the cold terminal now. I'm actually almost a wash plant, so I'll mute myself again. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and we're going all the way to the next chapter. Is that correct? I didn't check. Yeah, it's uh, pages 16 to 34, and then you'll read a preview of the next chapter, which will be page okay. 35. Okay. Okay. I was just wondering. Okay. Um, continuing on. I'm looking. Did I say 26? Because I think we're on 27. We're now on 27. Sorry, people. Um, Housing. You said 29. Sorry. I was looking. I'm telling you, there was a whole bunch of numbers through all of that. And so I was like, uh, what number was I on? (laughs) Sorry. So we are almost to 28, but not there yet. (laughs) Okay. I will just mute myself. Okay. Housing. Again, okay. Would we build our houses all Mike? No. Build your houses just the size you want them. If there's any one person who has better taste in building than others, 
and can get up more tasteful houses, make your plans, and we'll put them up and have the greatest variety we can imagine. Eating. Instead of having every woman getting up in the morning and fussing around a cook stove over the fire, cooking a little food for two or three or make, make half, a dozen, half a dozen persons or a dozen, as the case may be, she would have nothing to do but go to her work. Let me have my arrangement here at a hail in which I can seat 500 persons to eat, and I have my cooking apparatus, ranges, and ovens all prepared. And suppose we had a hall 100 feet long with our cooking room attached to this hall, and there is a person at the further end of the table, and he should telegraph that he wanted a warm beefsteak, and this is conveyed to him by a little railway perhaps under the table, and he or she may take her beefsteak, what do you want to take it with? Take with it a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a cup of milk, a piece of toast, or something or other. No matter what they call for, it is conveyed to them, and they take it, and we can seat 500 at once and serve them all in a very few minutes. And when they have all eaten, the dishes are piled together, slipped under the table, and run back to the ones who wash them. Interesting. Sure. That Brigham Young was a heathen drinking that coffee. Of course, we know that Hebert J. Grant's the one that made that into a commandment. It wasn't made into a I heard a, an apologist for the Mormon Church say, Joseph Smith instituted uh, and Brigham Young, whatever. Uh, yeah, Brigham Young required like two pounds of coffee per person on the wagon train. So uh, I don't know why they think that he obeyed the word of wisdom the way they do. You know, they... They're like Pharisees. Pharisees will take something that God says and they'll build up laws around it and make those commandments. They're man-made commandments. And that's what Jesus had a problem with when he was in his mortality is all of these man-made commandments that never came from God. The word of wisdom in the scripture, it says, not given by way of commandments, but as a word of wisdom and hot drink. You know, uh, they say it's coffee and tea. Some people think it means that you shouldn't drink, like, liquor or whatever, but that contradicts Section 29 where it says that you should make wine or strong drink of your own making for your sacrament, which means sacrament shots are completely legal in the eyes of God, which I think would make church way more fun. Like shots, everyone. <laughs> but uh, anyway, get get you some of the spirit, spirit, whatever. Anyway, but I love that quote just because it's kind of funny, you know. Because just and it's kind of part of the reason why the LDS Church wants to hide the Journal of Discourses because it's quotes like that, you know. So, but mm-hmm. uh, going back to the United Order. So if every ward had a united order um, and they all took care of each other, that would be great. And I believe that the united order is is as important to us in our day as it was to Noah with the ark. The only difference between the ark and the united order is Noah could build the ark with his three sons over a period of time a lot more individuals to have a properly run United Order. And one of my big gripes is 16 million members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All of these instructions have been given to them, and they refuse to have any United Order because it costs money, I guess. What is that noise, and why is the mic not muted? It's probably me. Is it me? My uh, my headset almost fell out of my ear, and I just grabbed it. <laughs> so that's probably what you heard. Okay. Because wow. you're talking so anyway. loud, it vibrates it out of my ear. Also, I have 14 minutes until it's my bedtime, so if you want me to read. All right, I'll mute myself. Okay, sounds amazing. Work. What will we do through the day? Each one go to his work. Here are the herdsmen. Here are those who look after the sheep. Here are those who make the butter and cheese and all and at their by, wait, all at their by themselves. Okay, sure. That's what it says. All at their by themselves. 
some for the canyon, perhaps, or for the plow or harvest. No difference what each and every class is organized, and all labor and perform their part. That was kind of a weird quote. Anyways, um, education. The youth would have a good education. They would receive all the learning that could be given to mortal beings, and after they had studied the best books that could be got a, got hold of, <laughs> they would still have the advantage of the rest of the world, for they would be taught in and have a knowledge of all things of God. Bring up our children in this way, and they would be trained to love the truth. Teach them honesty, virtue, and prudence, and we should not see the waste around that now is witnessed. Now we're on page 29. <laughs> Business. Half the labor necessary to make a people moderately comfortable now would make them independently rich under such a system. You would see a people all attending to their business, having the most improved machinery for making cloth and doing every kind of housework, farming, all mechanical operations in our factories, dairies, orchards, and vineyards, and possessing every comfort and convenience of life. A society like this would never have to buy anything. They would make and rise all they would eat, drink, and wear, and always have something to sell and bring money to help to increase their comfort and independence. Doctors, and if we have sick, would they want a carriage to ride in? Yes, and they would have it too. We would have nice ones to carry out the sick, aged and, aged and infirm, and give them exercise and give them a good place to sleep in, good food to eat, good company to be with and them, and take care of them. Would you want doctors? Yes, to set bones. We should want a good surgeon for that or to cut off a limb. But do you want doctors for not much of anything else? Let me tell you. Only the traditions of the people lead them to think so. And here is a growing evil in our midst. It will be so in a little time that not a woman in Israel will dare to have a baby unless she can have a doctor by her. Now, the cry is, send for the doctor. If you have a pain in the head, Send for a doctor if your heel aches. I want a doctor. The study and practice of anatomy and surgery are very good. They are mechanical and are frequently needed. Do you not think it is necessary to give medicine sometimes? Yes. But I would rather have a wife of mine that knows what medicine to give me when I am sick than all the professional doctors in the world. Haha, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, page 30. <laughs> Lawyers. Do you think we shall want Sorry, any um, lawyers? <laughs> Kim is mocking me because <laughs> she belongs to the cult of Young Living, and she loves the or herbal and the oils and the the vitamins and the all the things that she like feeds me all the time because <laughs> she loves all that stuff. And our friends are into that too, so. I just make sure that you guys are healthy and good. So um, a lot of things that you can prevent, like a lot of sicknesses and stuff, it all goes uh, according to what you put into your body and what you do. So um, it's funny because a lot of times when the kids are getting cold or getting sick or something so simple, people are like, ugh, cold, you're not going to die of a cold. Well, when you have an asthmatic and it becomes a cold or even – you know, something more severe like a chest, uh, like an ammonia or something like that. You want to be able to try to stop it before it even starts. And if you are taking certain antioxidants or um, vitamins like zinc, it can prevent and help your immune system to take care and work for itself. Now, if um, you don't know this or don't know about this, you should do your own research, especially if you live in different regions, because according to the regions that you live in, is um, also going to be how your body and uh, your immune system works um, with different kinds of diseases. So, for example, if I was living in um, Mexico, then my body and my immune system would be um, more adapted to the diseases and um, the germs that are in that area. And so I wouldn't know exactly what to take if I was living in that area. However, where I am from and where my family is, I do know a lot of the common sicknesses and illnesses, and I don't just run off to the doctor with any of my kids 
unless if it's something I cannot figure out or it, and I am uncertain of because if it's something that I need um, an x-ray machine for or I need blood work done for or um, something that I need a test that I can't run, then that's when I would go to see a doctor. But for um, other ailments, and even even my husband, he's silly, he like chopped a huge gash in his skin, like a huge one, and he was dripping all over the place into the sink. He was like, I need a Band-Aid. And I was like, uh, no, you don't. You need stitches. Um, but he actually super glued his finger back together because he was like, I don't need a doctor. Um, and it's fine, and he is fine. Um, but there are some things that you can do without a medical professional that a lot of people would run to right away because of it. And usually the stuff that is prescribed, it um, doesn't make you better. It makes you um, part of the system, and you're always going to be in the system and need drugs from the system because it's not healing you. It's just preventing you from feeling uh, what it is that ails you. Their whole deal is to... Yeah. They want to treat you. They don't want to heal you because if they heal you, you will not give them more money for the treatment that take longer and don't actually heal you. They can continue milking money into the pharmaceutical industry and the yeah. hospitals, so they don't really care about healing anyone. They just want to yeah. treat it. If, if it's going to kill you, they'll try to stop it from killing you so that they can continue to get more money out of your wallet and your bank account. It's, it's okay. uh, disgusting. Anyway, yeah. go ahead, Kim. Okay, lawyers. Do you think we shall want any lawyers in our society? No, I think not. I feel about them as Peter of Russia is said to have felt when he was in England. He saw and heard the lawyers pleading at a great trial there and he was asked his opinion concerning them, and he replied that he had two lawyers in his empire, and when he got home, he intended to hang one of them. That is about the love I have for the state, for some lawyers who are always stirring up strife. Poor Benjamin. <laughs> for a man to understand law is very excellent, but who is there that understands it? You cannot it? make <laughs> statements like poor Benjamin without... <laughs> saying what you're talking about, because the listening audience doesn't know Benjamin Schaefer. He's one of our good friends. Um, he's a lawyer, and he specializes in uh, family law and property and all of that, and he works with the fundamentalists of Utah and Idaho and wherever they come from. So, anyway, go ahead, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, his law offices are in Spanish Fork, and you, if you are a fundamentalist, and you need uh, a lawyer who specializes in fundamentalists, go see Benjamin Schaefer. Just a little plug for him. He's a good lawyer. He has his own practice. Okay, go ahead, Kim. <laughs> for a man to understand law is very excellent, but who is in there that understands it? They that do and are peacemakers, they are legitimate lawyers. There are many lawyers who are very excellent men, what is the advice of an honorable gentleman in the pro pro or procession of the law? Do not go to law with your neighbor. Do not be coaxed into a lawsuit, for you will not be benefited by it. If you do, not, if you do go to law, you will hate your neighbor, and you will finally have to pick some of, of your neighbors to settle it for you, to act as a jury. And your ease goes before them to decide. They are not lawyers, but they understand truth and justice. And they have got to judge ease at last, <laughs> to judge the ease at last. Why not do this at first and say we will arbitrate this ease and we will have no lawsuit and no difficulty with our neighbor to alienate our feelings one from another? This is the way we should do as a community. The Sabbath. When Sunday morning came, every child would be required to go to the schoolroom and parents to go to meeting or Sunday school and not get into their wagons or carriages or on the railroads or lounge around reading novels. They would be required to go to meeting to read the scriptures, to pray, and to cultivate their minds. Prayers. This is our prayer room where we would assemble perhaps 500 persons at one time and have our prayers in the evening and in the morning. Such a system would, of course, be a challenge and 
a complete break from our present traditions. As in Enoch's time, it involves many years to teach the people to break away from worldly influences. The Lord has said that in the last days, there would be a separation of the sheep from the goats or the wheat from the chaff. It will be a day very much identical to that of Enoch, except that in DMC 45, verses 11 through 12, quote, Enoch and his brethren were separated from the earth and were received unto the, myself a city reserved until a day righteous, a, until a day righteousness shall come, end quote, from DMC 45, 11 through 12. And this day of righteousness was shown to Enoch in vision. He saw that God would, in Moses chapter 7, verse 62 through 64, quote, Gather out mine elect from the four quarters of the earth unto a place which I shall prepare, and holy city, that my people may gird up their loins and be looking forth for the time of my coming. For there shall be my tabernacle, and it shall be called Zion, a new Jerusalem. And the Lord said unto Enoch, Then shall thou and all thy city meet them there, and we will receive them into our bosom, and they shall see us, and we will fall upon their necks, and they shall fall upon our necks, and we shall kiss will kiss each other, and there shall be mine abode, and it shall be Zion, which shall come forth out of all the creations which I have made, and for the space of a thousand years the earth shall rest. End quote from Moses chapter 7, verses 62 through 64. Many of the great events that occurred in the days of Enoch will also occur in the latter days of the world. All the ancient prophets have desired to live in our day because of the tremendous powers of God that will be manifest on the earth. It is both interesting and astounding to see the parallel between the events and circumstances of Enoch's day and those of our own. Consider the following. DNC 21, verse 1 and 2, the Lord established Joseph Smith and as his prophet on the earth, just as he did Enoch. DNC 29, 8, there would be a separation of the righteous from the wicked to one place. DNC 14, 10, 39, 11, the priesthood was not taken nor given to the Canaanite people. DNC 88, 84 through 85, the gospel was taken to all other people as a warning testimony. DNC 87, 6, the wicked nations that rejected the gospel were often at war and destroying each other. DNC 84, 114 through 119, the Lord brought down calamity upon the wicked nations with earth, earthquakes, pestilence, famine, etc. DNC 104 verse 1, the true saints of God would be advocating and living the united order without rich or poor. DNC 42, 35 through 36, the Lord's people would establish the city of Zion. DNC 10532, the true saints would have God to give them divine protection and fight their battles. DNC 84, 64 through 73, the true saints of God would be given spiritual gifts and know the will of God. DNC 63 through 49, the true saints will be given the power and blessings of translation to a terrestrial glory. DNC 1, 1, verse 36, and the Lord shall rule and reign in their midst and be their God. And now on page 34, Enoch received the gospel and the priesthood by which he brought his city into a translated condition. The gospel and principle or priesthood were restored again in our dispensation and the same true principles must be obeyed. So a chosen people can become prepared to live into a translated world where the holy city of Zion, the new Jerusalem, will be established and the presence of God will be manifest. Now we are on page 35, which is chapter 4 in other ancient orders. If you wanted to call in, have any questions or comments, um, the phone number is 917-889-8827. And we have a million lines that are open. Well, not quite as many, but there's plenty. So call in and uh, give us your questions or comments. Um, I'm going to give a precursor to what we will be reading tomorrow night, I feel like, tomorrow night, yes. And then, um, yeah, and then we'll give you plenty of time to call in if you wanted to. Again, that number is 917-889-8827. Okay. Any questions or comments from the chat room? Oh, yes, that's right. There's also a chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. Uh, if you do call in and you have a question or comment, you're welcome to join the conversation calling 917-889-8827 and press 1, and that will let us know that you want to talk. If you 
call in and you do not want to be live on the air but you still want to ask a question, wait till the music's playing and then push one. And while the music's playing, I will bring you into the call screening room and you can ask your question or your comment there. I will always screen the calls, even if you call in during the live part. So if you don't want to be on the live, um, you can ask your question to me in the screening room and I'll address the question live on the air too. That's something I can do. Uh, But we've taken plenty of phone calls in the past where people from all different walks of life and faith from all around the world have called in to ask questions. We've had Muslims and Buddhists, and we've had people from Singapore and from India and from all over the place. They call in using Skype, so anybody can call in. So, And we'll be live on tomorrow at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, which is 10 p.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Pacific. Okay, go ahead, Kim. Uh, I'm going to read this last page. Yeah, I was just going to say I uh, asked Emmett to read the beginning of tomorrow's page. I'll end up reading it again tomorrow uh, at the beginning of the reading. However, um, I need to go and make sure all of the things were done and ready so that the girls are ready for tomorrow and, you know, and so that my morning goes okay. So I'm just going to listen in while he reads the beginning of the next chapter, if that's okay with you. Sounds good to me. Awesome. Chapter four, other ancient orders. Uh, we are on page 35. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Psalms uh, 55. From the time of Enoch to the gospel's restoration in 1830, there have been only a few sporadic periods of time during which some of God's children have been capable or worthy of obeying the United Order law. This chapter will include three main economic systems where these principles were at least presented and taught to the people, as recorded in the Old Testament, the Book of Mormon, and the New Testament. Moses. Whenever the Lord sought to guide the children of Israel, he also gave them certain laws pertaining to the land title and stewardship. So it was at the time of Moses, the laws of Moses comprised several hundred statutes judgments and commandments given for the regulation of government as well as individuals. Those considered here are land title uh, ushery, indebtedness, and the jubilee law. And I think that's all. Usury? Yeah, usury. Or ushery. Usury usury is where you loan money and expect interest to be paid back to you as a loan. Anyway, we don't have anybody in the studio, and we don't have anybody in the chat room, so we're just going to wrap up the program for today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Is there anything else that any are that you two want to say before we go? Yeah, a minute ago you were talking about how you cut your hand open with a knife and you super glued it together. Uh, fun fact, that was actually super glue's original intended purpose. <laughs> um, okay, I, I have to go. project about it. <laughs> Okay. When you're uh, done telling everybody about super glue, go ahead and cue the music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back on tomorrow. Um, Emma, I'll just, just going to mute myself because I'm going to be in a bad area for a minute. So, okay. but anyway, yeah, I, I, real quick, I have I have had two large gashes where I've had blood squirting out like crazy, and um, different times when I put a tourniquet on, I washed out the cut with alcohol and I glued it together and it worked just fine so I do have a scar though but that was going to happen with stitches yeah you're breaking off a bit but that's fine since you're already almost out of service (laughs) Um, but yeah I just did a history project on the origins of a bunch of inventions during World War 1 and 2 and superglue was accidentally invented and discovered, I believe, during World War II. And it was originally used as a medical solvent to prevent wounds from staying open. Um, yeah. Well, that, there's, there is uh, alcohol in the superglue, so it helps sterilize the wound as well. Yep. And it keeps dirt out of it because once it's 
you know, applied, it works. So. Yep, and it dries when it comes into contact with your blood because it is uh, the reason it falls and turns into a solid instead of a liquid is because of water. <laughs> anyway, so that's all I had to say about that. So I'm going to play the music now. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.